Why did Christ allow Peter, James and John to witness his glory in the transfiguration? Well, after telling his apostles that he would endure the passion and death on the cross and exhorting all his disciples to follow him in the path of suffering, he takes three of the apostles up a high mountain and allows them to see him in his heavenly glory. He did this so that they and we would have knowledge of the end of the journey. To go straight along a road, we need to know our destination so that they and we can endure the hard and rough going. He showed us how delightful is the destination. So it is fitting and helpful that Christ show his glory to which he will configure our own body at the general resurrection from the dead. St Thomas Aquinas makes the point also that among the five witnesses to the transfiguration, there were two, Moses and Elijah, who preceded him in time, and there are three, Peter, James and John, who lived after him. This demonstrates that the glory of the resurrected body and heaven is meant for those who lived before Christ and those who lived after him. This is why many of the figures of the Old Testament, while not given the title of saint, are considered to be numbered among the saints in heaven. When the account of the transfiguration is linked with the reading from Genesis about the command to Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, this is also a day to consider the quality and nature of obedience. Abraham showed extraordinary obedience to God in the face of an horrific and heart-rending test to sacrifice his only son in whom rested the hope of the continuation of his family. Isaac was the personification of the covenant with God. And furthermore, Isaac was his only son. Sound familiar? Well, yes, it's meant to. Jesus was the only son of God. Isaac prefigures and points forward to Christ. Abraham's obedience to God is rewarded with the divine promise that he would be the patriarch of a multitude of descendants. Why don't we speak much of obedience? Could it be because our Western societies have become so fixated on the rights of individuals that we have forgotten responsibilities? Has a sense of the social fabric of life and the communitarian nature of our humanity been eclipsed by an endless search for self-fulfilment and personal happiness? Have people become defined by their grievances and sense of oppression 
rather than their personhood. It might be all of the above, some of the above, and even more. But I am sure that the real meaning of obedience has been lost. Even a brief consultation of the dictionary can set things right. Our English word obedience, or obey, is derived from the 12th century French word obéir, meaning to obey, to be obedient, to do one's duty. But also from the earlier Latin word obedire, which itself is derived from the preposition ob, meaning to, and audire, meaning to listen, to hear. So the very origin of obedience is to listen to. Obedience can then be accurately described as humble and compliant listening. So we are able to say that when God the Father exhorts Peter, James and John and us to listen to his Son, the Beloved, he is calling us to obedience to Christ. However, the obedience given to Christ and through him to the Father is not servile and cowering submission, but, as St. Paul reminds us, it is the loving submission of beloved children to their Father, who will refuse nothing to them because he has not refused his only Son to be sacrificed for them. But there is a further connection. Obedience and sacrifice go together. They are certainly present in Abraham and Isaac, and even more perfectly in Christ himself, who was obedient to the Father's will to the point of death. But every act of obedience requires a sacrifice, a sacrifice of the will. When a child obeys her parents, she puts aside what she wants to do and does the will of her parents. When a man goes to work each day to a job that might not be all that interesting, he sacrifices his will for the welfare of his family. When we obey God's commands, we put aside our will to do what God has required of us. We are like Abraham when we are obedient. More importantly, we imitate Christ when we are obedient. In conclusion, when we speak about obedience to God and obedience to lawful authority because of God, then we are speaking of a submission that springs from the attentiveness not only of the ears, but also of the heart. We are speaking of love. Then we are also speaking not only of love, but also of a purification and deepening of faith. It is right that children be trained in the habit of obedience. It is right that adults should show obedience also because when it is practiced in the human sphere, it enables us to practice it in the supernatural sphere towards God.
just as Abraham became the father of many nations because he was obedient, and so became a powerful and enduring icon of God the Father. So when we are obedient, we become an icon of Christ, the obedient Son and our Saviour.